0: Gospel of Mark, chapter ten, please. It's good to be here with you again. <clears throat> the last time I was here with Dan Harvey, he had—he was terribly hoarse. Do you remember that, Dan? You could hardly speak. And um, so the tables are turned this weekend. I'm struggling with allergies, so if you want to pray privately for something, pray that I'll keep my voice. Uh, I don't like squeaking in public. So, uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, then. <clears throat> and we will read in <clears throat> at, the <clears throat> at the golden text of Mark's Gospel. Mark 10 and verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, or maybe another way to read this was he, he didn't come to be waited on but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried uh, the, the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. That might be one of the most interesting sentences in all of the Bible. That for a blind man, the sovereign of the universe would stand still. Let that soak in just for a minute. If this was the Psalms, you'd put the word Selah in. That means just stop and think about that for a minute. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered And said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now you might think that somehow I've gotten myself all confused and think that this is a gospel meeting, but I haven't. This is certainly a great gospel text. It is a reminder of the fact that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. One of the great motifs of the gospel is that the gospel brings light into a darkened world, and it brings light into the lives of sinners who are darkened by sin, And the Lord Jesus himself in this story, as well as in the greater narrative, presents himself as the light of the world. But I think maybe we ought to dig a little deeper. That is an application to the story. But there are principles that are found in this story that are of even greater importance. I would say, first of all, this is kind of a a unique story. Because the question that the Lord Jesus asked is a very odd one. Here is a blind man, and Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, just between you and me, I think the answer is rather obvious. He's not going to ask for a set of golf clubs. The man is blind. The the obvious answer, it's so obvious that the question almost seems unnecessary. What do you want me to do for you? Well, I want to get my sight. The second thing about the question is that the man who's asking the question knows the answer to the question before he asks the question. (laughs) You remember John 2 says he needed not that any should testify of man because he knew what was in man. The Lord Jesus knew what this man was going to say before the man knew what he was going to say. And yet there is a principle lying right under the surface here. If you forget everything else I say just get this. It is only when real needs are acknowledged. That real blessing can come. Everybody got that? What the Lord Jesus is doing, masterfully, as he always does, is he is drawing from this man something that this man needs to verbalize, something that this man needs to confess, something that this man needs to tell the Lord Jesus. I'm a blind man. I need my sight. At the Midland Park Conference in 2017, I would like to hear God speaking to me, and I would like to imagine that God will speak to you. And so I have a Friday night homework assignment. And some of you students here who just escaped university classes are not going to be thanking me for this. But I have an assignment for all of us. And that is before we come together again tomorrow morning. That there be a little time before we go to sleep. That we let God ask us this question at this conference. What do you want me to do for you? Now, no the lesson of the story is, is that superficial answers are not going to work. It's not sufficient to just give God a little dog and pony show and, and dismiss him. Because true blessing comes when true need is acknowledged. So tonight, before Brother Barber and and Brother Harvey and I try to speak from the Word of God to you, let's, let's get into the presence of God and honestly talk to him about what we really need. I was thinking that there are probably three possible answers, maybe more, to a question like this, what do you want me to do for you? I suppose that the first and the most obvious question is don't do anything for me. Hmm. I'm quite comfortable in my Christian life. My, uh, I'm, I'm a little careless. And I'm probably a little cold and I haven't read <clears throat> my Bible this week. And my sins uh, don't rise to the level of something that the assembly has to deal with. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just floating along. So thanks, Lord, for your interest, but um, no thanks. I'll just try and get some pie and see my friends and just roll along. You know, I hope there's nobody here that would be satisfied with that. I hope that within all of us, there, there is in some part of our redeemed hearts a longing for blessing at this time. I don't think (laughs) go away is a good response (laughs) to what do you want me to do for you. The second thing I was thinking is that we might ask for something but fail to get down to the root of our real problem. I don't see any blind people here, but what I'm going to say next is sensitive, I hope. I have a beloved friend back in Michigan an elder in an assembly, one of my most trusted friends, who is a blind man, and I've learned a great deal about blindness from this dear brother. I wasn't going to say this, but I'll just tell you, I asked him one day, if you could have surgery to get your eyesight back, now 60 years later, would you do it? You know what he said? He said, no. I said, why not? He said, because the very first person I want to see is the Lord Jesus. Isn't that sweet? He didn't have to think about that, and he didn't say that because I'm a preacher. He he meant that. That's wonderful. But you see, this man did not ask for superficial things. He didn't ask for a white cane. Now again, I'm being sensitive. Some people use a a cane to assist them if they're blind. And and that's a good thing. But that really wouldn't fix the problem, would it? It would assist him. It might help him. But it wouldn't cure him. Uh, Maybe maybe a, a service dog. Do you like service dogs? I I like them. I I just feel bad in the airport because I'm not allowed to pet them, and I'd like to. But um, you see, a service dog, however great the blessing and however great the utility, it would not solve the underlying problem. This was a blind man, and what he really needed was what he told the Lord, right? Lord, that I might receive my sight. Could we ask God to open our eyes? That on this weekend, uh, that our eyes might be open maybe to get a good look at ourselves. You know, I'm looking out into the audience. There's, I, you know, there's some people here have been saved a long time. Longer than me been saved for 54 years. That's a long time. And it's easy to get in my old familiar ruts. <laughs> easy to be self-satisfied. Easy just to let experience carry me along without any real fresh sense of God's presence or God speaking to me. It'd be a wonderful thing to get a look at myself. I was saved through an old Irish preacher named Archie Stewart. you remember Archie Stewart? I know you do, and I know you do, and you do, and that pretty much wraps it up. But uh, you know what Uncle Archie used to say? He used to say, if I was half the man I thought I was, I'd be twice the man I really am. You do the math. But the bottom line is, none of us are what we think we are. We need some honest evaluation of ourselves in God's presence. Because you can fool me. That's easily done. And you can fool other believers. Just a big Bible bag, you know, that's powerful stuff, you know? But you can't fool God. May God give us the grace this weekend to just honestly be ourselves in His presence. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, that I might get a look at myself. It would be a wonderful thing to get a good look at this world. Because this is a world that you should not be investing in. I don't mean your money. I mean you. This is a world that is ripening for judgment. I believe in global warming. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. (laughs) Fervent heat. What kind of people should you be? In godliness and holy living. Listen. Let us all together learn to hold this world more lightly and to grasp the things of God more firmly. Let us get a good look at the local assembly. Can I ask you a question tonight? Are you all in or are you just going for the ride? Say, oh, Brother Dan, don't, don't, don't start pounding on people this early. No, I, let's let's just be honest. This man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. What's your relationship to the local assembly that you're in? Just happy to be there? Just kind of drifting with the tide? If you're there, it's good. If you're not, it's okay. And, uh, you know, it, it might be something you would like for the future, but, you know, if some better offer comes along, maybe we'll just trade this for that? May God help you to see that... Scripturally gathered New Testament assemblies are places where Christ personally dwells. This isn't a country club, folks. This is God's assembly. Let's get a good look at it and evaluate our relationship to it. But last of all, and this is what I need. We need a good look at Christ. I sometimes get a little cranky because I go to Bible conferences and there isn't a whole lot of Bible in them. And we call them Christian conferences. There's no messages on the person of Christ. You know what I would like this weekend? I would like a good look at him. I like the words of that famous hymn that you all know by Helen Lemel. She wrote it exactly a hundred years ago. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim and the light of his glory and grace. So what do you want? Let's all go home. Let's get on our knees. and Let's let God ask the question from our hearts, let there be an honest acknowledgement of what we really need. Because I believe that God can answer that request. This man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And in that moment, great illumination came. And Luke tells us that he went on his way glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. The story ends with one man shouting out to God, and it ends with the whole multitude crying out, giving glory to God. For a man who answered this simple, penetrating question, what do you want me to do for you?